right. How does this picture make you feel? You can boo if you want, it's okay. I'll take that, not that you're booing me, but that you're booing the Pittsburgh Steelers. If you can't make it out, that's a crowd of Pittsburgh Steelers fans with their terrible towels. How does that make you feel as good Clevelanders? How do you think it makes the Cleveland Browns feel to see a sight like this when they make their annual trip to Pittsburgh to take on the Steelers? Well, what's it like? What's it like to play an away game? Some of you are, are having flashbacks now to your high school sports glory days, maybe. I wish I had some of those to reflect back upon. But some of you are, are thinking, oh yes, when I had to go on the road and play against the most fearsome, hated rivals of all, and the, the warm, not so warm, reception that we would get. And if you ask any you know, pro athlete especially, what it's like to go into an away, away game, you know, a stadium with tens of thousands of people cheering when you mess up, you know? Or I always think about this like with the basketball teams who are trying to shoot a free throw, you know? In, in, a, in an empty gym, they can make a free throw probably like 90% of the time, but then when they're waving those noodles at you and screaming, you know, a little bit, the percentage goes down a little bit. But it's difficult. It's a hostile environment if you're the away team. You know, even if you have to travel, you know, across the country, you don't have the comforts of home. There are challenges that go into playing on the road, playing an away game. If you ask any athlete if they'd rather play away or play home, with the exception of some, you know, maybe a few like ultra competitive, you know, kind of sick people out there that like to play on the road, uh, most people would say, I would rather play at home. I'd give me the home game every time. It's a little bit easier. That's why they call it, as Pastor Bugler alluded to, uh, home court or home field advantage. If you're playing at home, you have an advantage. Now, we just read from the book of Acts an example of Paul playing an away game, going into Athens. This is like Heinz Field or Michigan Stadium, you know, hostile crowd. Athens, back in the day, this was like the center of philosophical thought and earthly wisdom. People of Athens like to collect ideas and arguments and philosophies and even gods, right? They had the one altar to the unknown god. You know, it's kind of like, I don't know, I think we might be missing some gods. Well, let's just make an unknown god one and then we've got it all covered, okay? Paul says, well, I, I, let me tell you about the one that you, have, that you don't know yet. Well, it's kind of a hostile crowd. It actually says in the verses that I didn't have us read how some were mocking Paul, you know, because he's talking about Jesus and the resurrection. Whoa, that sounds kind of crazy. Um, and they said things like, what does this babbler wish to say? You know, it's kind of like what you're saying in the car driving to church, you know, talking about your pastors. What does this babbler wish to No, I'm just kidding. Uh, don't, don't confirm if you do say that. I don't want to know. But Paul, going into this hostile environment, this away game, and he, you know, what, what's his approach going to be? 
what's he going to say to these people that don't know Jesus and really don't think anything is true or right? They just kind of collect ideas. What's he going to say? What's his approach going to be? Well, we'll see. Stay tuned. But my question for you is, are followers of Jesus today playing an away game or a home game? Let's just vote. Let me ask the audience here. Uh, for home, who wants to vote for we're playing a home game? Put your hands up high and proud. Okay, we've got a few people. Now they're looking around, they're not seeing very many hands and they're shaken to their core. Did I get the wrong answer? What about who wants to vote for uh, that we're playing an away game? Okay, a few more people. Okay. Now I think it depends on, you know, some of, some of you maybe grew up in a time where you, you would have said, I don't know, I kind of feel like we're playing a home game. Seems like most people are God-fearing folk. People go to church more often than not. But I think that we have to say that today we're playing an away game. So the majority, majority rules, you know, I'm going to go with, with the majority the followers of Jesus here are playing an away game. And really, I think that's how it's always been. I think the, the people are just being more honest about it. The world is showing its true colors more. People are being more outspoken against you know, like biblical truths than maybe they were in previous decades. It's just more obvious and in your face now. But I think the, the sooner that we realize that it's an away game, the sooner that we expect things to be difficult, and hostile, the sooner that we embrace that as the reality, I think it will be better for us who follow Jesus here in this world. And, you know, what, what did Jesus say about this? I think Jesus gave us the answer in the Gospel of John, what we just read a little bit ago. If the world hates you, that if is a Greek word that it can mean if, but it also sometimes it just means since, you know, meaning kind of like, it's like, if, and we know that it's true. If, since the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore, the world hates you. That sounds like an away game. Hey, at least he warned us, right? Jesus gives us a heads up that it is an away game. So then, what should our perspective be on the world? If the world hates us and it's an away game and it's kind of a hostile environment, how should we feel about the world? What should our perspective be? There are different extremes that we can take. We're good at extremes, right? We're not as good sometimes at nuanced, balanced thinking these days. One extreme or the other. Is the world our enemy? Or is it the mission field? Should we hate them all, hate the world, or should we love the world, you know? Which, which way should it go? Well, I want to start off by talking about the wrong way for followers of Jesus to approach the world. And I'm pretty confident that everyone is going to agree with me on these following statements being the wrong way to approach the world. But I'm also very confident that 
this is going to be kind of like looking in a mirror because we're going to be talking about things that we have, you know, wrongful approaches, perspectives that we have had on the world. Some people say that, you know, if you, if you hear like kind of the negative parts of the sermon, you're getting a window into like the pastor's struggles, you know, so I, maybe I shouldn't have said that. I've said too much now. I think we can agree that some of these things are things that, that we struggle with. What would be the wrong approach to the world? When we view others who disagree with us purely as enemies. It's hard sometimes for us to even think about being friends with someone if we don't agree with them on things you know, like politics or religion or something like that. Ooh. Maybe we view people as our, as our enemies. Another wrongful way, when we use negative, destructive, or hateful language when speaking with people that don't look at things the same way, uh, especially online, ooh, man, if we, if we had to show everybody here gathered today some of the things that we've said to people like on Facebook before or in other ways where we can like hide behind the screen, we would be mortified. But it happens in person too, right? We sometimes use, really take things up a few notches when we're disagreeing with people and we use language that we would be ashamed to share with anyone else. What about when we think about our interactions with other people as things that, we're, that we've got to win? You know, have you ever used Bible verses to try to defeat someone, try to own them? try to win the victory. When we, when we think about these things, not as relationships that we can try to cultivate to keep a conversation going with people that have a different worldview than us. No, I'm going to beat them. It's a contest. I'm going to emerge victorious over them. Yeah, that, that doesn't seem right. What about when we start to harbor hatred in our hearts toward the world? You know, we know, we know that God's going to judge the world, Right? There's a difference between knowing and acknowledging that God is going to judge the world and then also, like, actively cheering for, like, you know, just let them burn or something, you know? Because after all, that famous Bible verse does say, for God so hated the world that he sent his only begotten son to condemn the world to perish eternally. You guys know that one? It's one of my favorites. Sometimes, some days. Is that what John 3.16 says? You guys are scaring me by not answering. <laughs> no! No, that's not what it says. Do we behave like that's what it says sometimes when we're angry and wanting to get revenge on the world, when we, when we resent the world? No, it says, for God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. And then that next verse that we sometimes forget about, he did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but so that the world through him might be saved. So this is for us Let us not forget that we were at one time included in the world, 
in John 3.16. For God so loved the world. We were included in that. We, who sometimes too often hate the world, hate people who look at the world, or look at things differently than we do. God so loved us that he sent his son to die for us, to take our sins away, to redeem us, to rise again so that we can also rise again to new life. He loved us so much that he did it for us. And he still loves the world, those who don't know him yet, so much that he brings this message out again and again and even invites the likes of us to be part of that process of loving the world by sharing Jesus with them. So what is the right way for followers of Jesus to approach the world? What is the right way? I've got a few thoughts on this. One, things will be hard. Don't be surprised. You know, it's an away game. Things will be hard. If the one that you follow came into the world and only lasted 33 years before he was killed by the world, don't be surprised if you also have a life that is sometimes filled with pain or tears on account of following him. Remember also, I think one of the things, I don't know, I think we just, we take things so personally sometimes, don't we? Remember that when the world rejects you, like if you're trying to have a Jesus conversation and they're not, you know, buying the Jesus that you're selling, they're really rejecting Jesus. It's really, it's really not a statement on your personal worth as an individual if things go awry. You know, God, you know what your worth as an individual is. God has told you that. The world doesn't really get to weigh in on that. Don't take things so personally. Jesus says that when we are rejected, when, are we, when we are reviled and cursed, you know, we're blessed in that moment. That's one of the Beatitudes. He says, rejoice. Rejoice in that day. What else should we be doing? Love the world like Jesus does. We aspire for this every day of our lives. We're not gonna make it, but we try every day to love the world like Jesus loves the world. Cry when people reject Jesus. That's a more appropriate response than getting angry or seeking revenge or trying to belittle someone else. Rejoice when they believe and let Jesus work it out. Let Jesus work out the hard stuff, like the judging the world stuff and the bringing people to saving faith stuff. That is above our pay grades, folks. And praise be to God for that. Let Jesus work those things out. Now, I feel kind of bad because we've left Paul in this hostile crowd in Athens and we need to check in on him because I think we can learn a lot from Acts chapter 17. Well, we can learn a lot from Paul from the whole book of Acts, but this one is like a specifically compelling sermon that Paul gives, I think, because we can learn a lot about how he approaches the world. One of the things that is striking about Paul is that he uses the world's scripture 
to have a dialogue with them. Now, when we were reading from Acts 17, there were a couple quotes in there. Paul, Paul's quoting to the people. And some of you guys maybe thought, oh, surely those are quotes from like the Old Testament or something. Uh, well, no, it turns out that they're not. They're actually just well-known sayings or statements or other things that the people of Athens would have known about. So Paul quotes, and I'm sorry, I know you guys already know this. It's a quote from Epimenides of Crete. Um, you know, I shouldn't, didn't even need to say that, but uh, when he says, in him we live and move and have our being, and then also he, he quotes, you know, he says, for we are indeed his offspring. Uh, obviously, that was, that's a quote from Aratus's poem, Phenomena, which I know, yeah, you were just reading that the other week, yeah. Um, but Paul, this is, this is kind of this cliche thing, Paul's meeting people where they're at, okay? It's not always that helpful if, if the world, if someone that you're interacting with doesn't, if the Bible is not even a book that's on their radar, they have no idea about the Bible. If you're like flinging Bible verses at them, like using them as a weapon or something, it's not always the most helpful thing that can happen. Now, we know God's word has a place in our conversations. We're going to get to that. But it might be more helpful sometimes to try to find out, you know, what are the hopes and dreams, the fears and the anxieties that the world has? How can we, you know, find some, you know, common level ground that we can talk about? And then we know that whatever the world's answers are to those things, they're going to fall short to what God's answers are in his word and God's answers in Christ Jesus. And then we, we will know God will guide us how to bring Jesus into the conversation. So Paul does, I think, a masterful job here in this sermon in Athens, making connections and kind of gaining more of a hearing with these people. Paul also, as we know, um, he always brought, brought along his uh, Luther's small catechism because he was a good Lutheran, um, and he taught law and gospel here. The law, you know, shows our sin, and the gospel shows our Savior. And Paul, he says in Acts 17, the times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. There's some law. Judgment day is coming. Repent, folks. But then he goes into the gospel. And of this, he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. And Paul's ultimate message, this is even the rap that he had before, um, before you know, earlier in this chapter, when they were calling him a babbler and all that stuff, they were saying, he's talking about Jesus and the resurrection. Paul also always shares his hope in Jesus with people. The hope of the resurrection, the cross and the empty tomb, Paul shares that with people. And finally, Paul cares about these people. Read through the book of Acts, Paul is on a big, long away game. It's, a, it's quite a road trip that he has, never playing a home game. And people are trying to put him in jail, they're beating him, they're slandering him, they're leaving him for dead, and Paul still cares about him, and he still loves them, and he still shares Jesus with them. Because Paul looks at all these away games as opportunities to point the world to Jesus again and again. And really, that's what being a follower of Jesus is all about, isn't it? So we're called to do too. On, on, on this away game that we call life in this world, we're called to point the world 
to Jesus. Because Jesus loves the world, and Jesus loves us, and we love Jesus, and so we love the world. Now, as we've been reading the New Testament, I'm sure you guys, you guys are smart people, you've picked up on the fact that this, there's a big importance on getting the message of Jesus out, okay? So Jesus, in the Gospels, Jesus comes down from heaven, you know, to embody the good news to the world, and now the book of Acts so far has been about churches multiplying all over the known world and getting that same message out. It's kind of a big deal in the New Testament to tell people about Jesus, to share the hope that we have in him. And so some of you maybe have even, you know, we're in the middle of October, some of you have been thinking lately maybe, um, you know what, we've been reading this Bible the whole year here at St. Paul. Started in January. I wonder what we're going to do once we're done with reading the Bible. What's going to happen in 2022? Are we going to read the Bible backwards? Is that what we're going to do? No, we're not going to do that. Well, you can on your own time if you want to. But building upon what the New Testament is calling us to do, we are going to have a big emphasis on what we like to call, kind of based on this book that has popped up uh, over the last few years here at St. Paul, joining Jesus on his mission to redeem and restore the world back to his Father. You may, you know, some of you may remember that we started a church-wide sermon series and Bible study series on this book, Joining Jesus on His Mission. It started on March 1st of 2020. And I feel like something else happened in the world like a few weeks after that. I can't quite remember. Maybe when I'm walking, you guys were walking out of church, you can tell me. I just can't quite think of what it was. Something kind of derailed that emphasis here. Oh, that's right, it was the pandemic. That's what it was. Oh, that's right, okay. But we're gonna try again because this is such an important emphasis for us uh, that actually, as we head into 2022, the author of that book, uh, we have partnered with him to come alongside of us and to help us see how we, each and every one of us, you know, each as individuals, as families, as an entire congregation, how we can be everyday missionaries in this away game in this world. So you're going to hear a lot more about this, but, but this is, you're, you're going to see this as we go through the rest of the New Testament. We're going to read all these letters that Paul and John and Peter and those guys wrote, and they're, they're going to tell us, you know, um, what does all this Jesus stuff mean for our lives? And then what, what, is, what is our response to be knowing the gospel? How can we keep it bottled up inside? But we gotta live, we gotta share it with the world. And so as we head into 2022, we are going to focus upon this and we're gonna learn and we're gonna grow and we're gonna see how God is calling us to love the world. And I'm really excited about this and I'm, I'm very excited for, for you guys to come along too and to see what, what God is preparing St. Paul and, and each one of us to do. We don't have to move across the world, you know, halfway across the world, but right where we are, in the places that we already live and work and play and volunteer, we have things to do to join Jesus where he's already active. 
So I pray that, that God will help us see these things as we go through the rest of the New Testament, that he will kind of light a fire in us and that we will really grow in our love for the world. Because God so loved the world. God so loves you and me. And he's sending us out to love the world along with him. May God raise this up inside of us. In Jesus' name, would you, play, would you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you that you so loved the world, that you so loved us, that you call us out of the world, but you still have us live in the world. We pray that you will just have a love for those people who don't know Jesus. Help that love to well up inside of our hearts and, and to, to drive us to share the hope that we have in Jesus with others and then to leave, to leave what comes next to you. Give us that love. Give us mission-minded hearts as we live out this away game here in this world. In Jesus' name.